This is an ABC podcast. I just sort of see it as putting my vagina on a diet. It's a starvation it's a diet. Starvation diet. I'm so no, no, no. It gets yeah. snacks. <laughs> Does it get snacks? It gets snacks. What sort of snacks? Well, just, you know, at home, <laughs> at home private snacks. <laughs> It's easier to find sex now than ever. Download an app, swipe a couple of times and you could be straddling someone whose last name you don't know within seven and a half minutes, depending on how long it takes for your rideshare to turn up. Women wanting, seeking out and having sex is no longer taboo. In fact, if you step through your phone, you'll find there's a sexual all-you-can-eat buffet and we're being encouraged to pig out. But what if the offerings are looking a little day-old and you've got no appetite for that soft self-serve? Here are some women who have set down their plate, tossed aside their napkin, wiped their mouths on the back of their hands and said, no! I was having sex a lot of the time to please my partner and gain approval and pump up my self-esteem rather than having sex that I wanted to and to feel good. Once I stopped having sex, I just learnt so much more about myself and I had all this extra time. I'm not judging myself for not having sex or even for not masturbating. Whatever we feel like doing is fine. I'm Amy Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about having a sex detox. Hard data on how much sex we're having is thin on ground. A US study from San Diego University found that people in their 20s today are two and a half times less likely to have sex than when their grandparents' generation were their age. In other words, young people are simply having less sex than Nan and Pop were at their age. Fact. For Gen Xs, we're plugging away, bumping uglies and getting laid every now and then. But in the last 10 years, the Australian Study of Health and Relationships found that heterosexual couples are doing it fewer times per week. Researchers aren't settled on the reasons for the decline, but perhaps mm, we're starting to value quality over quantity. Or maybe it's just that TV got really, really good. Over recent years, the rise of movements like Volcel, voluntary celibates, and NoFap, people who swear to no masturbation, no porn and no sex, suggest that maybe people are not just picking selectively from the sexual smorgasbord, but tipping the whole damn table load to the floor. But sex feels good. It's wonderful, right? So why would we stop? I decided to stop looking for relationships and stop having sex just for a bit, have a rest, have a holiday. This is Jo. She's in her early 40s. Jo made the decision to stop having sex last year just before lockdown and just after coming out of a relationship. I'm a heterosexual and the blokes that I am drawn to physically are generally on the narcissistic or hugely creative and therefore sometimes emotional babies side of life. 
And if I date someone that's not like that, then I tend to lose physical interest in them relatively quickly. But the kind of guys that really, really do it for me and in like a physical way aren't fantastic at relationships. So they're usually quite dramatic and frustrating and stressful, really exciting, but not calm. So it was a conscious decision to kind of withdraw from a sexual life. The conscious decision was just to have a really calm time and just eliminate something that is inevitably dramatic. While it has been less exciting, it's also been the calmest I've been. And so it's been almost a year now. And if if my circumstances change, at the moment I feel like it will be by chance rather than intention. I'm not looking So tell me what it's been like up till now. Way better than I thought it would be. I'm quite surprised. I mean, there's two things. There's sex and there's orgasms and orgasms are still available. But taking sex, and I generally only have sex in relationships, taking that off the table is so relaxing. And I thought I would feel less sexy or attractive. But that, I think that's the most surprising thing that I don't. I do feel like it's temporary, but it's a relief. Um, I don't know you very well. We just met today, but I have a feeling that the guys you're attracted to are musicians. Certainly when I was a lot younger, but it's it's kind of like chefs and artists and oh, writers and I'm afraid comedians. No! <laughs> <laughs> that's Four strikes and you're out. Exactly. That's what I'm talking that's about. That's no good. No, that's like the hit list of who not to have sex with. Yeah, that's why the vagina's on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> if you had better taste in types of men, do you think it would be different? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really hot for librarians. Oh, my... <laughs> <laughs> you talked about calm. Does that mean you've got more mental real estate? Yes. And what do you do with that? I'm always a personal projects person anyway, and any of my friends that are pregnant now have a crocheted soft toy. Oh, crochet, that's such a nana replacement for sex, isn't it? (laughs) Um, Probably another cliche is learning to know myself more. I like myself less in my sexual relationships. See list of people I'm attracted to. Can you just remind me again? Chefs, writers. Chefs, writers, artists and comedians. (laughs) Oh, thank you not to laugh every time. (laughs) They're the worst. I know! (laughs) This is not your information. After a year or so without sex, Joe is feeling calm, in control, and empowered. Not to mention seriously nailing her crochet game. (laughs) But that doesn't mean she doesn't get horny. I'm more aware of fluctuations in my libido and my sex drive because I'm the only thing influencing that and it's like it's happening in a bubble. I mean, I think we love with three organs, like with brains and hearts and our genitals, and I just sort of see it as putting my vagina on a diet and it's it's worked great. When you decided to become celibate... Did you sort of set a timeline, like it'll go as long as lockdown or...? No, I didn't really think about the timing. You know, I'm not beating them off with a stick, but I do okay. 
it was more that I wouldn't actively seek out sex or a relationship or, you know, a bloke. So you didn't have a you didn't have a specific length of time that you'd be in the clear no, from sex. No, but I knew it wouldn't be a rush. Yeah. I think it's already been longer than I expected, but I don't think I'm finished. I really like it. Joe was still enjoying sex. It was the relationships around the sex that were draining. For Chloe, the sex itself was the problem. It just wasn't pleasurable for me. I think a lot of the guys, they were just so selfish. Chloe's a 31-year-old single mum and she's been celibate for two and a half years. She was doing what a lot of single people do, swiping right and having hookup sex. But it was all leaving her feeling a little bit used. They just kind of got in there and got what they needed to get done and kind of left me there to finish, I guess. It's easy to quit something if it's not very good, I think. Like, if it was amazing, you'd be like, oh, that's a huge sacrifice, but you're just getting lots of bad sex. Definitely. And I think that just helped my decision in becoming celibate. Chloe, can you tell me about the first time you thought, you know what, I just don't want to have sex anymore? I've been single for um, coming up to five years now since I left the father of my child. So, you know, there was a A few guys that I had slept with since then, I guess I just kind of thought this isn't for me anymore. I'm just really wanting, you know, more intimacy and something that means a lot more and that emotional connection. So Chloe had been sex-free for almost two years when she decided to take a break from her detox. I was seeing a guy. I had known him for about 10 years beforehand And we just started kind of hanging out and he was someone that I was always kind of interested in and I did have that kind of, you know, that lust. But like that one glass of wine after a year off booze, Chloe found that breaking her abstinence wasn't really worth it. I think my vagina just got the better of me. (laughs) I... (laughs) So I call my <laughs> I call my vagina Tiny Chloe. So Tiny Chloe is like the voice in your underpants saying, "Let's yeah, have yeah. sex with this guy." <laughs> um, so you listened to that tiny voice. You had sex with your friend, and mm-hmm. w- what was the outcome? What did Tiny um, Chloe say? <laughs> tiny Chloe liked it. I think it was still just lacking that emotional connection, though. Mm. So it was good physically, but still like that emotional side to things. All right, so you're swearing off sex, you're celibate. Do you get really horny? Yeah, yeah. I still get I still get horny. I still get toey. Sorry mum, sorry dad. (laughs) (laughs) And so where do you direct that energy? I've got a few toys. I, you know, probably masturbate at least twice a day. You know, more if my son isn't around. So it's just kind of whenever I get the time. Twice a day is a lot. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment, mate. No judgment. <laughs> well, tiny Chloe, you know, she still likes to <laughs> get a bit frisky. <laughs> so back to celibacy, would you recommend it, Chloe? Oh, definitely. Yes. Yes. It's it's a journey of self-discovery. It's, you know, getting in touch with you and your soul I want someone to know my soul and be interested in getting to know my soul and who I am below the surface. What are the benefits of stopping having sex? Once I stopped having sex, 
I just learned so much more about myself and I had all this extra time studying and working and um, hanging out more with my girlfriends and I guess it just took some anxiety away. You know, I have been single for a very long time and it's so hard to date these days, especially with, you know, all the dating apps, which have never really been my thing. So yeah, it just gives you more time to focus on you and what you want to do and live your best life the way you want to do it. I was having sex a lot of the time to please my partner and gain approval and pump up my self-esteem rather than having sex that I wanted to and to feel good. Catherine Gray is the author of The Unexpected Joy of Being Single. She wrote the book after giving up sex and dating for a year. Her sex detox was a chance to reset her priorities. Now I don't have sex if I don't want to. And also I really try to think, do I actually want to have sex or do I want them to have want to have sex with me? The two things are very different. So, yeah, I mean, I love sex, but it's it's not as important to me. Before her break, Catherine was pretty intense about her love life. She's described herself as a love addict, consumed by the idea of finding a mate and being partnered. It's almost like obsessive compulsive, where it's the, it's the kind of behaviour where you check your phone constantly to see if they've messaged back or you obsess over their ex, which was something I did frequently. Or you just, you just award this relationship, even if it's a newborn relationship, way too much significance and power over your mental health. Catherine's sex sobriety went hand in hand with her actual sobriety. Before detoxing from sex, Catherine realised she had a problem with alcohol and got sober. She describes her alcohol and love addictions as terrible twins. I started drinking when I was a very shy and anxious teenager and I wouldn't have said boo to a goose, let alone walked up to a guy at a party and said hey. So it enabled me to go and talk to people I fancied. And then as that intensified, whenever we broke up, it would soothe me. So they became bedfellows, the alcohol and the love addiction. Okay, so you decided that you're not going to date or have sex for a whole year. I ignored all the advice to take a year off dating and launched myself into a new relationship a month into sobriety. And when that founded, which was about six months later, I found myself absolutely crushed and experiencing a kind, the kind of withdrawal that reminded me of very early sobriety. So that's when I twigged and realised that I was addicted to not this partner in particular, but just the any partner that I felt like a failure when I was single, which was something I needed to address. Between the ages of 18 and 33, I'd been single for six months. And that's not six months here and there, that's six months total. So I was single for a few weeks here and there kind of thing. that's huge. Um, Yeah, so taking a year off was a massive step for me. And at first it was really difficult. It was like quitting alcohol. I felt really forlorn in the first few weeks because I was so used to turning to dating apps for a dopamine hit. I really had to create my own self-esteem source, which was coming from my, you know, my platonic relationships. The rewards of prioritising friendships were multifaceted. When you 
um, a celibate for a while, you get something called skin hunger, where you, you start to feel depressed and anxious because you haven't had that skin on skin contact. When I wasn't having any sort of contact with romantic partners, I felt that dearth of skin contact. So were you more tactile with your friends? Definitely. And I've kept that up as well. And also touching my family as well, because that's something that you, you know, before I would have had a quick hug and then that was it. It's, it's something that is such a basic human urge and instinct that needs to be satisfied, but it doesn't have to be satisfied via Tinder. <laughs> so now, now that you're not celibate, but you've had such an experience of celibacy, does it make you value sex more? No, I'd say the opposite. I think it makes me value sex less. I I don't think it's as important as I used to and I have less of it and it's much more sedate. So now it's much more middle of the road. Once a week <laughs> is fine. <laughs> you know. What were some of the most surprising things you learned about yourself? Probably that I didn't like doing whatever my partner liked to do. I mean, if my boyfriend was into state restaurants and karaoke or three-hour walks and then smoking weed and watching Tolkien, I was into those things as well. So I discovered what I really liked to do, which was yoga and photography and living in different places and, you know, writing, writing, writing. So it really taught me who I was. So what's it like now? So I'm, I'm actually in a relationship at the minute, but I mean, I've told him fairly recently, we're just about to celebrate a year, but I, I told him you're, you're my side dish. <laughs> you're not the main event of my life, even though it's a really great relationship. I've only known him for 11 months. You know, he doesn't trump those friends that I've known for 25 years or my family or my career. I'm more empowered and much healthier in relationships and willing to walk away if they're not right. It's one thing to resolve to abstain from sex and be private about it. But being celibate by choice is a bit taboo because we're all meant to be constantly seeking, striving, sexy, aren't we? Remember Joe, the one who's hot for sensitive good listeners who are kind? I mean, sorry, chefs, artists and comedians. She says she keeps her sex detox mostly to herself. I don't tell a lot of people because, I mean, similar to the decision not to have children, sometimes you get faces and you have to defend yourself, which is weird. It's it's weird to defend yourself for personal decisions. I think some people really understand that it's you're just hitting the refresh button and you're just sorting yourself out and straightening your Jenga tower. I'm sort of proud of the self-awareness that brought me to this point because I know what my patterns are and I know I have family and friends that all be around and I won't be lonely. I don't think that sex takes up as much of our lack of loneliness as we think it does. Do you miss being desired? I do miss that feeling of quite clearly being desired, but I think this is a really good opportunity to not base my feeling of whether or not I'm desired on whether or not I'm having sex. What about solo sex? I think solo sex is something that happens for a lot of us accidentally. Do you kind of take more of an effort to go, all right, this is going to be my night tonight and light a candle or like, you know, sort of settle in? 
one noticeable thing is that I've just waited for my body to go, come on, let's go, rather than me going, tonight's the night. And that's really cool because it helps me understand what my what my graph looks like, what my ebbs and flows are like. So I'm a little hornier than I actually thought. But it also, when my body doesn't go, <clears throat> I'm kind of fine with it. I think that's the most surprising thing is that I'm not judging myself for not having sex or even for not masturbating. Mm. It's just, that's fine. Whatever we feel like doing is fine. So have you thought about what it's going to be like to get back on the horse, so to speak? I wonder, is it going to be up here or down here? I, it might be incredible. It might be disappointing. But I'm really curious about it now. I want to know how my body reacts and how my brain reacts. I'm looking forward to when I go back, but I'm not in a rush. And what would you say, Joe, to someone listening who's considering giving up sex? My advice to a lot of friends who get really stressed in relationships is to just go for a little while being single, to see, you know, know thyself. And once you know what you like when you're single, you realise that it's not scary. And I think the same is can be said about sex. If you have a little break from the pressures involved or whatever your pattern is, then you can go back to it just with a little bit more knowledge and comfort and confidence. I haven't had sex in just over a year and it's fine. So, my friends, instead of chasing pleasure, it could be time to straighten up our Jenga towers, recharge our toys, press the reset button on our thinking around relationships and find out exactly what we want from sex. Like the ladies in this episode of Sex Detox might just help you disrupt dysfunctional dating habits and gain some clarity. Plus, your friends will love all the crocheted stuff that's inevitably coming their way. Maybe you can crochet some cute little smocks for your vibrator collection. Or little bonnets, or or like leg warmers. Ladies We Need to Talk is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt. It's produced by Tamar Cranswick. Supervising producer is Alex Lolbach and our executive producer is Justine Kelly. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. Oh, and heartfelt apologies to the chefs, artists and writers who are listening, but not you comedians and definitely not you either, musicians. <laughs> This podcast was produced on the lands of the Turrbal, Yugambe, Gurungara and Gadigal peoples. If all this talk about a sex detox has made you realise that you've kind of been doing one not by choice, or you just haven't had any for a while, or maybe you're not as horny as you'd like to be. Well, scroll back in the feed of your favourite podcast, Ladies We Need to Talk, and look for the episode called Has Anyone Seen My Libido? We need to be more expansive and not rely on that lust factor Mm. to be the only reason that we have sex. Why do we want to do it? When you've got a motivation, then you're in a better position to make it happen simply because, like getting up, going to the gym on a cold morning, who loves doing that? Nobody. But they do it because they have a reason to do it.